Oh God, I'm really doing this. Welcome to the Money Spot, the place where we answer your money questions. I'm your host, Heather Katsonga Woodward, and this is my return. I am back. I have not recorded a podcast since January of 2021, and right now I am raring to share some knowledge, to answer some questions. But I've realized that I've actually been setting the barriers too high to producing a podcast. Usually I'll spend about four, maybe six hours writing out in detail my thoughts on a topic. I will pre-record the question that has been asked and then produce the podcast. However, this is my hobby. I am a one woman band and I do not have what I hear other podcast saying that they have sound engineers producers editors like 20 people to produce a podcast so what i'm doing right now is recording the question that someone asked me right on my phone i'm not even using my microphone so basically in february we're talking about go henry spending cards debit cards and the person i was talking to said Heather, I'm really surprised you're not onto this already. And the thing is, I have looked into these cards. I downloaded a few at the back end of 2020, and I recall I was turned on by two specific turned off by two specific things. One, I did not want to spend money on my child having a credit card. It just doesn't make sense to me to spend 3 whole pounds a month for a kid that's getting, what, 30 quid of earnings from their chores or pocket money or whatever. And the second thing was my child at the time was five and the minimum age was six or seven for debit cards. Now, as is the case on a lot of my financial issues, I don't usually have the answer straight away. I usually ponder it, usually in my subconscious for ages. And over time, I have come to a reasoned conclusion about why jumping straight to these sort of money management cards that claim they'll teach your kids about money management is the wrong way of going about it. No judgments if you have gone this route. However, I will systematically explain to you why I think you need to go cash first. Go cash and then introduce the cards at a later stage. So, um, I started systematically allowing my son to earn money about two years ago when he was about five it started with bed making and then it progressed to whether he did his violin practice all other things are you're helping the family out if you empty the bins load the dishwasher all that kind of stuff you're helping the family out you do not need to earn money for helping the family out then, as you know, when the credit crunch, not the credit crunch, when the pandemic hit, I produced B-School, my book for teaching kids about money. And my now seven-year-old has quite a good foundation of knowledge about money. And we've started having really interesting conversations. And this week I asked him, Chester, what is the most important thing in money management? And he was like, uh, saving? And I said, no. It's emotional management. You need to manage your emotions. And the reason a lot of people fail with their money and their finances and, and their goals to progress to higher net worth is because they can't manage their emotions. 
Ah, so basically telling myself not to spend money. Anyway, he's getting the gist of it. But I've over the last few months had some very interesting money conversations with him, which I think if you reward with your children with cash, you're more likely to have. And giving your children cash to keep for themselves to decide when they're going to spend will trigger conversations that you might not otherwise have had. So I've got six examples that are based on experiences that I've had with my son that I thought would be interesting as examples. Firstly, my son is a homebody. He does not like going out. But ever since he started having quite a fair amount of money because he was saving all his initial earnings, I told him, you're not going to be allowed to spend your money until you've got at least, I think I said 60 or something pounds. Um, so he accumulated quite a bit of cash. And then I allowed him the opportunity to come to the shops with me and he was allowed to buy some sweets. He wanted to buy sweets and there was a teaching opportunity. I taught him that um, depending on where you go, you can get a lot more for your money. So I know at the Tesco Express for £1.20, you can get three sweets. So we shouldn't go to the corner shop because they charge you £1 for one of the chocolate bars you want when you could have reduced that average cost down to 40p if we go to the Tesco Express. Learning opportunity, he understands that concept. And then I realized that this homebody all of a sudden loves to go to shops. When I pick him up from school, mommy, can we go to the shops? Mommy, can we go to the shops? And each time, uh, I don't always say yes, there is some sort of discussion we can have around money. So I'm going to go into people's frameworks, kids' frameworks, our frameworks for making decisions about money. But this is one example. Give your kids cash and see what they want to do with it and what you can teach them. Then we went to um, a, a fun fair, Drayton Manor, and you pay a fixed fee to enter, which allows you to go on all the rides. However, they have these arcades and these periodic opportunities to, to pay money, to throw a hoop and win a bear, etc., and I spent the whole day telling my son, no, it's a waste of money. Let's not do this. And he held out. And by the end of the day, I got tired of saying, no, don't do it. I said, OK, have a go. But of course, the arcades are designed for the house to win. They don't want too many people to win because they lose money that way. And he was distraught by the fact that he actually caught the bear, but it fell back out. It, the, the Whatever thing he grabbed opened up again and he lost it. And he was like, mommy, I won fair and square. And that provided us with an opportunity to talk about gambling and why, in essence, he's not really supposed to win. And um, he, he kind of understood, but he was still upset. But if he hadn't had that two or three pounds in his pocket, I wouldn't have had that opportunity to teach him about gambling. And the house always wins. Then he's also a giver. And every time my son sees someone begging for money, he wants to give. And again, that brings up a conversation about why some people are out on the street asking for money, what tragedy might have befell them, why it might not necessarily be a good decision to give them money. And all this is seeping into him. Then out of the blue, one day he comes to my room and asks me about how people earn money. He said, do some people go to work and then some people just make money by selling stuff in a shop? I'm not going to go into the details about it, but I was quite excited that he's thinking about the different ways people make money uh, because his foundation of financial knowledge 
has led, has triggered him to think about this. And him having money, cash, knowing he likes money and enjoys buying things is triggering thought processes in him about how he can make even more money, which I think is great. And he's, I think we've had that conversation about twice and I'm sure we'll have it again. Now, as your kids reach this sort of age seven, eight, and our kids don't have iPads, tablets, phones, they don't have any of that, but they do have periodic access to the TV. And they have somehow discovered reality TV, people like Ryan and Trish or whatever they call her. And I don't want my children to think that it's easy to make money off of YouTube I'm okay for them to know the concept of people making money through YouTube. But these reality TV shows sell a dream that is luck, is luck. And I don't want them to feel hard done by because they have a different life. They haven't had the luck of YouTube stardom. And quite frankly, I hate them watching reality TV, but I've watched a little bit of it with them and I have found opportune moments uh, for example when, when cash was uh, there was a game with cash and you could win a hundred pounds and I basically basically explained to them that the percentage of people on the planet that are earning good money as a result of YouTube is tinsy as a proportion of people producing YouTube content those that hit uh, the megabucks are, are are small and I don't want them to think that life can just be given to you on a platter if you produce a few videos. And this was partly triggered by the reality TV and partly triggered by seeing them role play between him and his little sister. Um, oh, hi, this is my YouTube channel type games. Anyway, the final learning opportunity I'll give an example of is today I um, showed my children the potty bags I bought for my daughter's birthday on Saturday. And they looked at them and my son was like, mom, oh my gosh, I've never seen so many things in a party bag. The children will be overjoyed. This is brilliant. Um, my son is very good at expressing his emotions and I was really happy. And then I said, do you know how much I spent on these party bags? Because I was very proud of how little I spent. I said, each, the contents, the contents of each bag, including the actual party bag that is carrying them, cost £2.70, roughly £2.70. And he was astounded. He knows what £2.70 means because he has spent the last, I think he started earning money in September, six, seven months earning money, spending money. So he knows what value that money has. He said £2.70 for all that stuff. And I said, yes. And a lot of the parties we go to, uh, because he's got a lot of bougie friends or friends with bougie parents uh look really expensive and he goes oh my gosh i think some people spend just that on a balloon in the party bags we usually get and i said yes what does that teach you it teaches you that in order to give kids a good time you don't have to spend a lot of money so that's the the basic thing i wanted to say about giving cash to your kids it will provide learning opportunities and it will help you create a framework of thinking for your kids because the biggest thing that impacts whether you build wealth or not is your emotions your ability to control your emotions your ability to know you're having an emotion and to override it with common sense um, and your attitudes to debt your approach to spending versus saving 
And each one of us comes with an idea, a framework, a, a money script. Uh, I'll make reference to uh, one of my kind of favorite personal finance psychologists, a guy called Brad Klont. And he's triggered to my memory because he just appeared on the Hidden Brain podcast. And I've twice heard him on the Afford Anything podcast. And I think his framework of money scripts is very helpful in understanding people's attitudes towards money. So, for instance, um, I'll give four of the money scripts he, he provides, but his book, which I've just downloaded on Audible, has a lot more. But money avoidance is one of the money scripts that people have. If you have money avoidance, you essentially think money is evil. It's corrupting. Staying poor is noble. They shame around having money. And the funny thing is people with a, a money avoidance money script in their head actually want money. So they're conflicted between these views they have about money being evil and them actually wanting more. And they tend to be uh, not as good at creating wealth, partly because of this money script. Then another money script and money script is basically loosely the stories that you've told yourself about money that drive how you approach um, your financial life. Money worshippers. Uh, money worshippers essentially think money will make you happy and it will solve your problems. Um, so it's a more, more, more culture. But you, you don't end up being as satisfied as you thought you would be when you buy one thing and you have to buy another thing in order to fill this sort of gap um, in, in your money worshipping framework. Then the money script of money status basically results in you correlating your self-worth with your the things that you can buy. You're more into conspicuous consumption, people seeing you in that Bentley and in the Gucci shoes and the status of the friends that you have matters to you, etc. And Money status is normal. We are hardwired actually to want some sort of status because in prehistoric times, your status kind of drove um, your position in a community. Even as hunter-gatherers, you needed some sort of status uh, to be included in the group or you know, to have the respect that you wanted in a group. And then the money script, uh, the last money script I'm going to talk about is money vigilance. People with a money vigilance, money script, tend to be more careful with money. However, they don't want to run out. If asked how much money they earn or they have, they'll tend to underplay it. Um, this is the opposite of money worshippers. If you ask them how much money they have, they'll tend to overblow it, inflate it a little bit. And the premise of um, the money scripts is basically, if you understand what your money script is, you are better equipped to perhaps override it and to make more astute financial decisions once you know what it is. And our money scripts and our beliefs about money are very much made at this formative stage. Your children each day see you interact with money and everything that you're doing is building their money script. It will, for instance, if there's stress in the house over money, it will it might lead into anxiety about money for them in the future. 
um, for uh, if if money is very profligately spent, they're probably going to take that into their future. A bit of financial education on their part might change the way they react to money, but um, if money is not really talked about, that has an impact. If you money influences every single thing that every single decision that you make in your life. If you ignore money in the house and don't talk about it, that has an impact. Um, it may lead to the fact that they don't plan, don't set goals around it, don't think it's even important. Um, so even if you think money's dirty, and I dare say money avoidance is probably a good, strong UK trait, um, a lot of people tend to be a little bit embarrassed and ashamed about money and don't want to talk about it. I listened to a whole podcast yesterday. Um, I think it was the FT Money podcast and someone was talking about a house purchase. They didn't mention a single number, not the value of the house they were buying, not the amount of the mortgage. They referred to everything in magnitude. So, oh, we could have borrowed 50% more, but we didn't. And it, it's an English thing. We're embarrassed about money. We don't want to talk about money. Uh, but I, I'm I'm not going to accept that script. I'm only, I guess, an immigrant, an English immigrant. So I might not be as attuned to the shame and the reasons for the shame that people have around money. And money worshipping is more of a US trait. Uh, people want to talk about money more openly and more wing willingly, and they're willing to share a lot more about it. But o o overall, um, Brit British people, American people are all poor money savers. And this takes me from money scripts. So everything that you do is influencing your child's future money script. Your child's money script is in development. And it is essentially up to you to help them grow up with a money script that will be conducive to them, to, uh, conducive to them being savers, uh, conducive to them wanting to invest, take a bit of risk. However, you also still want them to be sharers. You want them to be people that are balanced, etc. And you should consciously think about the money script that your children are taking on. I would suggest uh, downloading Brad Klontz's. Uh, he's got two books. I just downloaded them. Just search Brad Klontz on either Audible or Amazon and download. I, I downloaded two books. One didn't seem as attractive to me. Any Download all three, listen to them, and, and see what you think. Now, I don't want to be judgmental. Um, I would like to think that my script is a money vigilance script. But actually, I think I have some traits of all of them, perhaps, uh, to a greater or lesser degree. Uh, human beings are very much hardwired in certain ways, and you have to override your hard wiring. So in economics, for instance, moving on from money scripts now, we have cognitive biases that lead us to act or react in a given way. So loss aversion uh, means a pound of loss gives you a lot more pain than a pound of gain. So in England, for example, people generally prefer to keep their money in the bank. They'd rather save than invest because they're just so scared of losing that money. And I, I choose England specifically because when you listen to American podcasts, they're less conservative. They're more open. And maybe it's because they understand the stock markets a lot better, but they're more open to putting money into their 401ks, their IRAs. 
Um, and the, the I, I haven't checked the numbers, but I'd guess that there's a larger proportion of American people putting money into investments than they are in, in the UK. Then in economics, we learn about the pull of instant gratification. That's another cognitive bias. You basically want more now. You want to satisfy whatever itch or urge you've got. Buy that thing, eat that thing, spend that money. And you're hardwired to do that. In order for you to override uh, the pull to spend money and get the the pleasure now, the pull of instant gratification, um, you, you have to see a real benefit to it. You have to be convinced by the, the data and the science. Um, so, for instance, if you, for instance, want to retire early, you have to be convinced by the ability for your money to grow. You have to a certain degree dislike working because sometimes I ask people um, about retiring early and they're like, oh, I would never want to retire. I'm going to work until I'm 100 and they're not really that pulled by the, the ability to own their time in, in, in a more solid way. Then action bias. Action bias basically is a bias people have towards just acting. So, for example, if you see the stock market tank, you might just want to sell because you've, you've, you've at least done something. Even if you've locked in a loss, you have you, you, you've acted. Um, and you have to be convinced by the data that suggests just holding your stocks and riding it out is the best option. Then a Cornell study found that people actually have a bias towards earning and not saving. Um, I was just doing a Google about, you know, biases that stop you from building wealth. And I was quite interested by this. Apparently, saving because is more abstract it's in the future it's not now people tend to discount the benefit of saving and in fact don't really see the 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 benefit they don't understand uh compounding of gains and how significant that can be over prolonged periods of time so they focus their attention on earning rather than saving not realizing that actually you need a bit of both and the saving part, even if you're earning loads, if you're saving none of it, you ain't build, building no wealth. Optimism bias um, related to, is, to this is confirmation bias. Generally, people are optimistic that they're going to be the ones that's that's going to be, beat the market. And I've had a bit of this. I have a stock in one of my portfolios that is 97% down since I bought it. And I will never sell it. Because if I ever think that, yep, actually I am smarter than the market, I only need to log into there to see how badly wrong a decision can go. Luckily, I only put £400 into that stock and it wasn't too much. And ever since I lost that money, I have been more pro investing in diversified index funds. I've been doing well with them. I do have a little bit of money, in fact, a significant amount in an active truck tracker, Fundsmith. Um, and I, I, I don't have uh, like, well, I don't know what proportion of my wealth is in Fundsmith now. I would say at the last check, and I'm going to be very un-English here, I had 260000 in my pensions and I believe about 45,000 was in Fundsmith and probably maybe another six in another portfolio. So 51,000 
However, that is out of about 300,000. So I have a sixth in Fundsmith. But I bought it when it was quite low. And although it's fallen recently, I'm still significantly up. I'm just giving this as an example of, I know I've lost money in investing in single stocks. However, I am still work, uh, willing to invest in diversified funds that I actively manage. Although the majority of my savings goes into passive funds. Like everything I put into my workplace pension, I put into passive funds. <sighs> so let's bring this to a close because I know you might be getting bored. In conclusion, if you want to teach your kids about money, you should give them access to earning cash do chores if they do the instrument whatever it is by giving them access to cash you will be able to observe how your kids want to spend money you'll create learning opportunities or teaching opportunities when you see them spend that money when you yourself spend money there is an opportunity for you to sometimes teach something about how how that thing went for example with my party bags and in this process you are building your child's money script and when you build your child's money script over time they might be able to override their inbuilt hardwired cognitive biases that may make them do irrational things with their money so there you have it and guys i am making this as easy for myself as possible so that i can produce content for you and i am not going to edit this i am literally just gonna stop recording this and upload it there'll be a little bit of music at the start because that's not hard to do but telling myself that i'm gonna edit this and then upload it is gonna result in this sitting on my phone for four months because i do actually have something that i recorded four months ago that's sitting on my phone with that enjoy and please visit my website katsonga.com if you want to ask a question and go to the contacts page there and if you want to download my book, B-School, uh, for Money Wise Kids, it's also on the website. 